Paul tells us, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Being a Christian is not a solitary pursuit. It is, we do it in relationship. And we're called to bear one another's burdens. And what that means is if your religious experience is just one hour a week in this room, you're not getting to do that. This fellowship, this relationship, it begins here, but it must go beyond these walls into the rest of the week. And that happens as we, as we get together in friendship. It happens as we work together on things. It happens as we get together in small groups. And we've got sign-ups out there. You see the, the tables for our grow groups. And what these groups are about, they're sermon-based, but the, the sermon is meant to be a springboard into doing life together. That we get together and it happens in different locations, some at the building, some in homes, where we just get together and we share life. We share our burdens. We, we give thanks give thanks for what the Holy Spirit is doing. We share our God stories, and we bear one another's burdens together. So I want to encourage you, if you're not part of a grow group, to take a look out here and to, to get signed up. Now, we have one new group starting. So if you've never been part of a group, you could be part of this group, and you would be you know, one of the founding members, and that's Kitts and Sherry Parker's group that uh, it's just starting up uh, this year. All right, I've got a joke for you. You ready for a joke? Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, I can tell a joke. Okay, the, there's this couple. They go before the judge, they, they want a divorce. And they're standing there, both standing there before the judge and the and the guy says, we've only been married for six weeks, and we can't agree on anything. And the judge looks over at the wife, and the wife says, seven weeks. <laughs> why, why are humans like that? Like, why... why why is it that we're so often at war? Why is it that we so often find ourselves at, at odds with one another? Well, you know, you read the book and you see that it, it begins with sin in the Garden of Eden. And that, uh, that coming out of Genesis chapter 3, that you've got man against woman, woman against man. You've got man against nature and nature against man. You've got pain, in, even in having children, you've got pain. We, we came into the wars when we sinned and came out of Eden, and it's rough east of Eden. But there's good news. There's good news now. Colossians 1.15, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He, he's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There is a war. The war is global. It involves every nation. It involves every culture. It involves every family and each of us individually. And it is a war for who is going to be in control. And our Christian faith tells us that our job is to wage peace, to wage peace on every front, that in every battle that we bring the cross of Jesus, that in every battle we declare his lordship, that in every battle we invite people to the cross. Our faith is a faith to save individual people, and that's where the battle is won. But our faith affects all areas of life. It, it, it affects marriage. It affects families. It affects the workplace. It affects all of our institutions. It affects all of our politics. Because wherever we go, he goes. And, and, and wherever he goes, it can never be the same. Jesus Christ is Lord of all things, it says. There is no area of human existence that Jesus doesn't have something to say about it. There is more. We're in a culture war, and Christ needs to rule the culture. He saved me, he saved me on the cross, but there are huge implications that go with that. What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? We pray this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to bring heaven down to earth. Nothing short of that. And the good news is God's will on earth as it is in heaven. The good news is God's will in my marriage as it is in heaven. The good news is God's will in my family as it is in his family in heaven. Every area of life is to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean exactly? Well, you know, every human endeavor has a story. Nations have stories. Cultures have stories. Within the culture, there are multiple stories of, of themes that, that have developed. But we have the ultimate story. We have the story behind all stories. We have the story of the one from whom and for whom this creation exists. It's all, all of it about Jesus Christ. It's all about that story being our story. 
You know, I, I don't know where this quote comes from, but I love it. Narrative is our culture's currency. He who tells the best story wins. Well, there are all kinds of stories going out there, but we've got the best story. And here's what I hear in, in Colossians 1.15 again. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. If it's human, if it survives for the long haul, it survives because of the glue of Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is. He's the glue that holds our reality together. And he is the creative power. He's the creative power that was there before the foundation of the world, and he is the creative power that will bring it all to its final conclusion. Jesus is the ultimate creative transforming power behind culture. Well, what does this mean? Well, Jesus speaks not just to our brokenness as people who've gone wrong, who are sinners, who get lost, but Jesus speaks to our purpose. Not just our brokenness, but to our purpose. And, and not just to our fallenness, but to our creativeness. You know, there's something that I think that we get so wrong, that we get so wrong, and, and, and like the devil, this is just the devil's favorite playground. He, he, he's in opposition. He wants us to operate out of opposition. He wants us to be the people who condemn the world. He said, well, you're all for Jesus, right? Well, go out and tell the world just how bad they are. Go out and judge them, because they need to hear it. But John 3 says that Jesus Christ didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. So the question isn't, how do you get, put the world straight? The question is, how do you save the world? If all we do is condemn the world, then we lose that ability. If all we do is get angry at the world, we have no word, uh, no saving word for the world. Well, what is a culture? You know, it's, it, it's, uh, it, it can be a slippery word, but I, I, like, I like this description. The beliefs, the behaviors, the values, the language, the intellectual achievements, the artistic expression, the entire way of life of a people. That's culture. And I read Colossians and I see, I see Paul saying, and Jesus owns that, all of it. He wants all of it. Culture. Well, you know, it's a, it's a Latin root word and it comes from the Latin word to plow. And in English, we, uh, we cultivate land. We do agriculture. We, we speak of people who are very refined people as, oh, 
She's very cultivated. In the religious sense, we have the word cult. Same Latin root, same idea of what we are cultivating. You know, we, we use it in conjunction with, the, with yeast. You know, that you have a yeast culture, leaven in Scripture, yeast, that we have a, a culture. And when Jesus tells us that we are to be the, the, the leaven of society, he's telling us that he wants us to be culturally transformative, that we want to be Jesus' culture. God created us to create culture. In Genesis 1, we, we, we see the creation of man and woman, and we see what that what God purposes in that. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They'll be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all of the birds in the sky and all of the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he'd made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So God told us to go out and cultivate he, he told us to go out and, and build things. And, and you know, I, I see those uh, satellite photos from outer space, and you see how the planet Earth lights up at nighttime, and all those cities and those, those lights, and I think to myself, wow. So God sees all this and sees what we've done, and like, what, what must he think of, about that? We have... We have certainly been creative. We have certainly transformed the earth. And we have certainly multiplied. What have we done? We, we've done what he told us to do. We've gone out and taken the raw materials of the world and we've created. Because see, we're like him. He's a creator and he, he told us, hey, you know, those animals out there, not terribly creative. But you're in my image, and you're creative. Go create. And, and we did. Agriculture. We took, sour, we took the land, and we took the plants, and we, and, and we cultivated food. We took sound, and we made music. We took movement, and we created dance. We took color, and we made paintings. We took the elements of existence and with our best minds we created science and technology. We, we took law. We took 
chaos and we made law out of the chaos. We created families. We created families and learned how to get along with one another. We took raw materials and we created architecture. We, we took our energy and we created sport, games to play, all part of our culture. And we wrote stories, we created stories about who we were. And God never grows tired of our stories. Culture is what God wanted us to create in the first place. But we also live in a broken world. That's the thing. God loves culture. But the culture gets broken. Satan gets to work. Satan comes only to destroy. And, and, and what we have to realize is that he is the enemy. If we don't realize that he is the enemy, we'll make one another the enemy. If we don't realize that he is the enemy, we'll fight all kinds of battles that God does not want us to fight. We'll demonize other people. I'll make you the enemy because you're in my way and I can take you out of my way and I can do it with all kinds of good conscience. I'll be blind to what God is trying to do because I will be just so angry with the enemies that I have made and in the end I will become the enemy if I don't remember who the enemy is. If I don't remember who the enemy is, I will attack the very people that Jesus wants me to save. I, what, what I'll do, I'll just go out in anger and I'll just say, well, you're an enemy and I need to take you out. Our, our enemy is, our enemy has always been and is and will always be Satan. Satan is the enemy of culture. He comes only to destroy culture. He destroys culture. You know, we live in a world where Satan is striving for control. Now, he knows he can't overthrow God. What can he do? He can take, he can take the ones that God loves. He can take you. That he can do. He comes after what God loves most, and that's you and me. And we're created in God's image. He, he can't take out God, but he can take out those who are created in his image. He has no creative power. Anything creative that you see in this world, to the extent that it's creative and not destructive, is from God. The only power Satan has is the lie. The only power that Satan has is as when he came to Eve. Did God really say? Did he really say that you'd die? Really? The only power he has is to tell you that sin has no consequence. The only power he 
has is to question God. Satan does not create culture. He undermines it. He causes cracks. He comes to bring damage. Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit, and then Genesis 3, 8 through 10, then the man and the woman heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Satan brings shame. Satan comes and our sense of identity is destroyed. Satan comes and we realize that we're naked, that we're naked without God. That, uh, and, and then we read in Genesis 3 in the following verses how the ground is cursed, how marriage is, the marriage relationship is cursed, even having children is cursed when we leave God. Satan turns man against nature. He turns man against woman and woman against man and man against man and everyone against everybody. The war of all against all. Satan turns everything into a power game. And there's a sense of futility that comes with his power game. That's all he has is the power game. All he has is the lie. All he has is the denial. And, and so we ha have a world where children die because they have no well water to drink when all the wells could have been drilled, when people starve to death and food is thrown away, when racists come and murder people because the only... The only thing that they've got to give them a sense of self-worth is the, the color of their hide. In a world where men become predators and not protectors, where governments exploit their people and don't serve them, where being stewards of God's creation, we just destroy it because we can. And religion, when he gets a hold of religion, he does some of his nastiest work. Every, every major world religion embraces the golden rule. It's not just us. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. When Satan gets a hold of it, there are holy wars, there are crusades, there are jihads. What goes wrong? Power game. The power game. Satan says, fight fire with fire. That's, that's a satanic rule. Jesus says, fight fire with the cross. Fight war with, by bringing my peace. 
fight fire with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit and let him do the work. There are only two kinds of people in the world. Those who don't know Jesus yet and those who do. And the battle is a spiritual battle waged in the, in the heavenly realms between good and evil and it plays out in us here below. And, and what was formed in creation was deformed by sin and is reformed in Jesus. And Ephesians 2, 12 through 13 reminds us of this. Remember that at that time you were separate, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We all know what it is to be separate from Jesus. And we know what it means to come to Jesus. And our entire task is to bring those to Jesus who have not yet come to Jesus. The good news is that Christ redeems culture. That he redeems it that he redeems a marriage where you are at war with one another. He redeems families that are broken because of sin. He redeem, he'll redeem, he can redeem the school that you're at, your workplace. He can redeem it. We just have to remember who the enemy is. And we need to take our stand with Jesus. The question for everything, 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 is what does Jesus say to this? What does his cross mean in this? How can his spirit transform this? Perhaps you have come this morning and you are in need of transformation and you would, you would covet prayer that, uh, that his Holy Spirit might, might work in you and might transform your situation right now, some aspect of it. We offer that invitation, and we offer the invitation, if you're ready to give your life to Christ and be baptized into him, we offer that invitation as well while we stand and sing.